When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Man, how you doing? Listen, I'm so tired and I'm gagging for a glass of red. Cheers. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, as she chugs it down. Chug? I'm sure Mr. Big will be back with a glass for you soon. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. 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 How are you? What's up? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Back, back, back at home, permanently, can never leave this house, it seems. Um, well, at least you can leave. You can still- I know, I know. But like, what for when the weather's like this, you know? Hmm, yeah, you know, I, I actually think this winter hasn't been that bad. And I know it's in part because I don't commute. So I don't yeah. have to think elements like day in, day out. But... It's not been particularly cold. It's been yeah. cold. It's been cold. You think so? Today yeah. I was. I was. No, sweating. today was mild. That's yeah. why. But it's been un- It's been abnormally cold. I'd say for this time of year. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought the weather has been. Like, well, that's that's very optimistic of you. It is. It is. Oh well. You got to look forward to something, isn't it? I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at one point we were on track for snow on Christmas Day. I don't know where that's gone, but um, you know that that could always happen, isn't it? I think we need that Christmas miracle this year. Actually, no, because I'm actually working the day before and the day after, so I need to be able to like get home. Move. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem. Just a light, a light scattering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah do you have any updates on Mim's no spend corner um so I can feel like I'm losing my resolve right do you think that is to do with the fact that you're having to buy things for other people that makes you like want to buy things for yourself no no (laughs) I, I was giving to, you like I'm give, you're giving me an I was out. giving you something there. Yeah, that's not the reason. Oh. Um I think that by me clicking on all these Instagram ads, I'm making it worse for myself because I'm getting uh. off. Yeah. And as I said, like this time of year is quite difficult because you know the sale, like winter mm. sale is the best sale of the year. Um, and so I've been looking at stuff and saving more stuff into my like, you know, I have a saved folder. Your folder. So although I haven't bought anything else, I've gotten very close to it. Yeah. Um, and also what what, what really got you got you to crumble? Oh, you know, I was saying about how you know, I've got like these two weddings next year and I'm invited to weddings and stuff. It's true. I never get invited to weddings because no, no, it's not that you don't get invited. No one's got married yet. None of my friends have got Yeah. So that's quite different. (laughs) Um, Oh, I hear wine coming. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I am now like, 
I'm on like Brand Alley. That's a good, mm-hmm. that's a solid place. Um, and I like buy, like I buy my whistles stuff from Brand Alley because they've got good prices. Yeah, Ooh. go on there. And so I've been like looking at, oh, I could wear this to their wedding. The wedding is in like six, seven months time. Do I need to be looking now? No. But it's but really, when you look for it, you can never find it. So exactly. you kind of got to keep an eye out. I do. But like the pressure's on for me. Mm. Oh, and yeah. I know at some point I'm just gonna have to settle for something I don't want oh yeah because you're bridesmaid and I was actually thinking about you today because Neaporte started their sale really okay I might have a look it, you? um but yeah so uh, so the allure of wedding glamour yeah yeah has got you yeah and then oh, also the back of that you know when you start to like outfit build because mm-hmm. I don't I don't like to panic about what I'm wearing last minute because then I I don't know what I'm wearing and I hate to panic in that regard yeah. um so I think to myself like oh I have these shoes these gold shoes that I like wear when I have a special event but then I was like I need a gold bag so I'm on Vestiaire Collective looking at Bottega pouches and gold aren't I oh of course you are <laughs> who do you think you are I know this is the slippery slope I'm going down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. How about you? I know you're not doing a no spend. You know what? I will say, I think I bought maybe two Christmas jumpers at the start of December. Mm-hmm. And then I did buy a dress that got returned because it wasn't right for the wedding. And then I bought a dress for a birthday for myself as in my birthday um yes (laughs) no but like I've looked I've looked at this dress so for those who don't know we're both about to enter the big 3-0 it's actually three months exactly to today for me no hold on yeah two months I lie it's two months my birthday's in February (gasps) but it's two months (laughs) Yeah. And then it's four months for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've seen this dress for like, I'm not even kidding, maybe six months. And oh, thought okay. I want to wear that yeah. for my 30th birthday. Like it sure. felt like me. I loved it. And I then like it was on sale and it just kept being in stock. And then I was like, I'll get it next month. I'll get it next month. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thing of like. It's so far away. I feel ridiculous buying a dress now. Yeah. And then it went out of stock, of course. Oh. Um, but it was on another website and I got it in Black Friday. Um, but other than that, I, ha- I haven't felt the urge. I think I had a bit of a splurge maybe like October time. Mm-hmm. And that was me getting some essential winter bits. Mm-hmm. But I must admit, because... I still don't leave the house as much as I used to because of work. Mm -hmm. Like even at most, I was going into the office three days a week. So I only had to be dressed three days a week in like outside clothing. Um, And don't get me wrong. I did get dressed other times, but I don't know. I don't feel maybe as compelled to, to get as much. Yeah. Um, And um, you know what I find in like my no spend year thing and kind of what you were speaking about buying a dress for something that is far ahead in the future I worry that if I buy something now mm, I'll forget like that it. I bought it oh. for the occasion and then I'll go out and I'll buy something else because I've changed my mind between you're not that old but no it's true because no, I did but this like, maybe if I buy something to wear in July I know for certain I'm going to find something else between now. But also, and the styles change a bit, so it might not be like as on point as you want it to be for that yeah. occasion. Because I've definitely, I think I've bought two dresses now with no occasion in mind. Where I was like, I just love them, and it's yeah. so hard to find a dress that you love in your style at yeah. the moment. Neither mm. of them I can wear for this wedding before anyone chimes in um genuinely can't doesn't fit the brief and so yeah but like I know that when it comes to it I've already got like well two weddings that's not the other one that I'm talking about next year Mm. I won't be wearing either of them so who knows when they're gonna get worn yeah but 
just for those galas I attend you know of course yeah those cocktail parties <laughs> those cocktail parties in my head yeah, yeah. Oh, it's tough it's tough oh man what is your fashion story this week um well my fashion story isn't a big one mm-hmm. but of course the sex and the city spin-off <sighs> has been a buzz online and people are talking about the episodes yeah. i haven't started watching it yet and i need to jump on it i watched it yesterday okay give me your verdict well should we do spoilers on here should we not it's been uh, a week lads it's been a week okay but, you spoil it for me but go ahead no no no. i won't say any spoilers to you actually true yeah i won't say spoilers um you must give have seen your... some spoilers okay um not not that much to be honest okay, okay. so i'll ask you some questions but, overall do you hmm. think they're doing a good job of the so, storyline, not the fashion will deal separate. So I will say the storyline has highs and lows. So it's certain things are quite like just basic. So like in the first few minutes, they address what's why Samantha isn't there. Oh, okay. And I think they could have made more of it. She's in like another country, isn't she? She's in London or something like that. Okay. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then like there are cer- certain things where I think it's quite basic like they address their age quite a lot and that they're older and I wonder if it's like they're subconscious of it and so they just want to address like yes we look different from when you last saw us but like we all know that yeah yeah, yeah. we all age like comes with it but as soon as any character comes on the screen there is some reference to like them being older whether it's them losing their hair color whether it's their bad hearing like oh um, okay which I don't appreciate we saw them in the films so we knew they were getting older as well so like we just know we saw all the pictures of you guys filming we know what you look like it's not a shock um so yeah but there are some more like there are some more like moments where you're like that's it like that's the show and there's definitely a comforting vibe from watching it and the fashion so far I like I applaud it I applaud the fashion so far okay um yeah okay where are you watching it by the way it's on sky oh I don't have sky what channel might be Atlantic oh I'll check I'll check maybe it's sky comedy is that a channel? Don't know. <laughs> I, be- I bet you can find it. Um, yeah, I need to just do some actual digging. So there's two episodes out so far. And so actually, what? So what's your fashion story? Hold just on, that is my, well, that is my fashion story. Okay, but I haven't so, watched it yet, but everyone's like on it. Funnily enough, I sort of have two tangents to go off, and actually, my fashion story is about it. So the first one is mm-hmm. that you know how Carrie famously wears her neck, her necklace with her Carrie, name on. Nameplate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sales of that have gone up 50% this year. Really? As soon as they announced the reboot, sales of this nameplate necklace have gone up by 50%. But that's so strange because well, Carrie was always known sales, for it. So like what- searches for it like all of that stuff okay. like the whole shebang they've noticed a big uptake and yet different retailers have had 50% different obviously haven't mm-hmm. um but yeah I don't even know if I've noticed her wearing it I don't think she has been in this latest one um but I guess it's that nostalgia it's that thing I think we discussed it before didn't we that she's mm. brought like gold jewelry kind of to the masses in mm-hmm. some aspects mm-hmm. yeah so yeah and then my second one, yeah, is that actually my bridesmaid sort of get up is inspired by Sex and the City. So yes, you have. my friend likes the idea of how Carrie had her bridesmaids in like different block colours, and that's what we're doing. Mm. And I'm really arming and ahhing about red. Like I really mm. don't know because. Someone was like, someone's got to wear red for Samantha. And I was kind of like, that's my name. Maybe I should. 
<laughs> I feel like if you get it wrong, you're just trying to look like a show off. And I mean, what's I don't want to look like that. bride's dress like? Don't know. Oh, but do you, I don't think she's going to have a um, a carry size dress though. No, I don't think it will be Vivian Westwood. Um, but it also my dress won't be floor length. Like I don't think I want that. Um, I think if I went red, it'd have to be really simple. I think it's good if it's got too much going on. Mm. But yeah, so watch this space for me to mm. do some answer. I do really like that idea, though. I think it's mm. um, a really nice one. But yeah, as I, I've mentioned to you before, I think that the bride has to have quite a dramatic dress so that it's just not overshadowed by the bridesmaids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you can always go for like an orangey red. Yeah. I think it's or even not like, a, like a dark, a dark yeah, red, like a maroon. Yeah. Burgundy. But I think the idea is it for it to, for us all to look quite vibrant. Um, yeah. But we shall see. I love it. Mm. Do you want to introduce our topic for today? Okay. Why not? Um. So we were thinking we want to go back to maybe a story time vibe mm. to our episodes a little bit more. Um, we know that some of you have also really appreciated those episodes that we've done when we talk about our personal experience. I mean, we're quite personal on this podcast, to be honest. Everything is centered around our our own experience. But in particular, we were going to get into the nitty gritty of working in fashion, but particularly the working hours so Mm. the hours that you work the hours that you're paid for the hours that you put in overtime to your job kind of in our experiences what we've been paid at different levels and what our uh, perspective is of pay in fashion which is spoiler alert uh, abysmal not cute (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah and we thought it's going back to our old school episodes a bit um so yeah do you want to start to talk about okay so basically let's let's talk about the hours that we were doing during Mm -hmm. our first roles in fashion I think so my first role as an intern the hours weren't always terrible I guess um I definitely felt when I first started that I had to I I, I asked if I could leave um Mm. because it kind of felt that way it felt like one of those environments of like you're lucky to be here and also like I guess that's also the um just how you get told sort of about fashion interning so I very much felt like I had to ask every day is it okay if I go now Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think also the um, the way interning is presented to us, like just out in the like general environment, is like if you get an internship, then you're really lucky, and it's your it's your key to success in fashion, and and it's almost sold to us like if you're not doing crazy long hours, mm-hmm. then you're not doing it right. Yeah, exactly. So I think my contracted, if you can call it that, because. We all know I was not married. <laughs> um, I think it was nine till six. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say maybe like to begin with, I would leave pretty much around that time. Um, and every now and then there'd be something where I'd have to stay for an hour. And then when it was like crunch time, mm-hmm. I would have to be staying late, but. I was fortunate that because I lived in zone six, I had to get a last train at like 20 to 11. Mm-hmm. So like I had to leave at like quarter past 11 and mm-hmm. like that definitely happened multiple times. And then it got to a point where that was happening, but they still needed me. And so then they started offering me a taxi <laughs> so that okay. I couldn't use that <laughs> excuse yeah. so going back when you describe like crunch time because I can assume what you mean by that 
but what is like considered crunch time, a time in the season where everyone's got to be doing these hours until like half 11 or later. And um, yeah, what, how was that defined? So I, I guess I can kind of think of maybe like two moments sort of per season. Mm-hmm. So one will maybe be like the deadline for sending like the um, the factory packs or the garment packs mm-hmm. for factories, like their cutoff or when they have to receive that so that we receive the goods in time for fashion week or for, um, yeah, all of that or for the showcase, the lookbook. Mm-hmm. photo shoot all of that and then it would also then be once those have, have arrived and preparing for we didn't show as in have a fashion show but there was a lookbook so then all the garments had to be ready for that photo shoot and all of that so those mm-hmm. were the two main crunch times um because otherwise and we were always on the brink anyway of okay. like the deadline and pushing that as far as it could go. Um, yeah. But I will also say, I feel like there's often this thought, especially, I, I guess it's in a few industries, but I definitely felt it in fashion at times where like some people, some bosses thought that like, you shouldn't go home until they do. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that and it maybe the boss never said it, but like a few petrified assistants would sort of feel that way mm-hmm. and not have like the courage or sort of like the confidence to be like, our job here is done. Yeah. And because the bosses are getting paid and at this time you guys aren't. I'm literally like, what, so the, the contribution they gave me was my train fare, but I was 100% working for free because I didn't get any of that money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? How, how were your, like, at first hours? So my first jobs in fashion, which pretty much was, like, a job that everyone has, like, a shop floor mm-hmm. um retail job nothing fancy um and that was bad because as many people know it's like minimum wage Mm -hmm. and there's a one particular company that I used to work for this was like literally at the beginning and I till this day I do not shop there because (laughs) I'm like I'm like sticking it to them Um, And what they did in terms You're of... You're not missing did, much, though. Let's just add that. No, I'm not. I'm really <laughs> um, What they did, and I'm sure they still do, and I'm sure a lot of companies do this as well. This was before, like, zero contract hours. But they would um, row to you for just below full-time hours. So they didn't have to pay you for things like holiday or like you know higher levels of like you know national insurance and benefits Mm -hmm. and stuff that the the employer would have to either pay you or pay government or whatever as a full-time worker so everyone was on these like 30 hour a week contract type things this was like you know in the days when you're like desperate for money and so that was something And also other things that retail companies do and that I experienced when I was at this particular place, it was like, you don't get paid for your lunch or you get paid for like half of your lunch. You know, it's like 30 minutes you get paid for and like the other 30 minutes of the hour you don't. But would you have to be forced to take the full hour? I think so. I think because I think there is a like there's a legal requirement to offer an hour I'm not quite sure how it works or how it worked at the time but I'm pretty sure for a lot of people if you get paid by the hour and you know and you can see how many hours your rota is for a week you can pretty much calculate if you're getting paid for the full hour or not, mm. do you know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure that you, in a lot of places you don't, you work like four hours, you have an hour break and then you work four hours. So it feels like nine because it is, because you're there for nine hours, but you're getting paid for eight essentially. And so that was like, 
that's really really common and it just makes that kind of like entry level fashion job that even if you're not pursuing a career in fashion you're just working the job that's what makes it when you calculate it just completely not worth it first of all yes like it's like minimum wage quite frankly and then secondly you're not getting paid for you're not getting those like you know you're you're commuting and you factor all of that in you factor in you know you're not getting paid for like lunch and whatnot it's just bullshit and I will say that even when I moved on to um like luxury brands yeah they can pay you a bit more but you're still working to these like god-awful rotors um doing like nine hours a day plus the commute which is you know adds to itself but the pay isn't like my pay wasn't particularly good the only difference from my experience when I was working in luxury like on the shop floor retail is a little thing called bonus (laughs) and I think that that is one of the things that separates normal high street retail to that like luxury level but it's always dependent on like different companies offer different rates for sales bonuses. So essentially, like if you sell more, then you'll earn a percentage. So it's a commission almost. It's a commission, commission yeah, exactly. Your commission. Um, and every company that you work for has a different like commission rate, let's say. And also, depending on the brand and brand and the popularity of that brand you might not be able to shift that much stuff in a month because it's just really expensive. Yeah. The brand is not particularly as famous or as popular as, like, say, a Gucci. You know, it's, mm-hmm. like, not one of those, like, bait brands. Um, So, yeah, I think that, like, in my experience, there are, um, at that kind of, like, lower level, there fashion has a way of using perks using benefits as a way to cover up the fact that the pay and the hourly rate isn't good um we'll touch we'll touch on like um sample sales and stuff like that yeah i remember at when i worked at a online like luxury retailer in the UK so there's not many of them but you can guess and we I can't remember how much I was getting paid an hour but I worked in their customer service department so we dealt with like the orders and things like that and we used to get a bonus if we like met our targets and whatnot we used to get a bonus of like 300 pound a month now at the time yeah at the time you're like that's great but it was either you get paid it and obviously you pay tax on it. Yeah. So it's or, not 300 pounds. <laughs> or they said that you could have it on your, um, they would put it on your like account, your online account. Like, you know, you're signed up with these online retailers. Everyone has mm-hmm. their own account. They would put the money in your account. Like and you credit. Could, yeah. Store credit. And you could spend it. Back to them. Um, So, yeah, that was great. I know. Yeah. Crazy. So a couple of occasions, like you've mentioned about working late and crunch time and having to take a taxi home, that happened to us. So during the... um, like when you work more in the sales as opposed to design, like the crunch time, um, quote unquote, is around Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. And so you're... And Black Friday wasn't as big of a thing then. No, it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. So, so would it be like Christmas and it's just sale time generally? Yeah, it was just Christmas sale essentially. And we were offered the chance to do like the late night rotors. So it'd be like in the middle of the night. Mm. to be um like on the phones and dealing with orders and stuff in the middle of the night because they had international clientele so people would call throughout the night essentially because they weren't based in England um 
And in that occasion, they were like, yeah, you'll get a higher rate of pay. Over time. And we will like um, order you a taxi to take you all the way back home. So you didn't have to commute on public transport, which is, which was good. But as I say, it's all about. Would they provide you with food? They did actually. I think we had pizza. You know what? And I will admit that those shifts that we did in the middle of the night where we got a taxi back home and we got fed. I bet it it wasn't as busy. No, it wasn't. It wasn't quite dossy. It was almost better than working my normal Mm. shift. No, I'm not even going to say almost. It was definitely better than working my normal shift where I had to like go to and fro on the tube and like spend my money on transport and all of this you know other mundane stuff which adds to your your day yeah it was actually better I'm not gonna lie but even in then like one big thing I have with working hours in fashion is that they will whether it's normal regular high street retail or luxury they will always try and substitute a lack of pay with other benefits like look how glamorous we are look how fancy here's some store credit here's some perks here's a sample sale yeah what yeah what's your um experience in that yeah so actually you just reminded me that when I was interning and if I had to work a weekend Mm. we were then allowed to pick something from like the cupboards oh god but like it had to be like the dregs of the dregs and so like yeah me and like the assistant got to like pick stuff so I think that happened like maybe two or three times but like I don't even know if I've ever worn what I picked or like Mm. you know all of that stuff but still like at the point at the time it was like oh yeah it feels glamorous um but yeah and then and to be honest, at this company, we never really had to work weekends much. Okay. But then my second interning job, that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. So in the run-up to the show, maybe like a month before the show, we would just work seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and there they didn't even cover my train fare and gave literally zero incentive. And it and it just felt awful, but like they weren't. They didn't have enough money to do it. That's why they they literally had maybe like, I think they had four full-time employees, maybe five, um, and three of them were the founders. Um, and then the rest were interns. At points, there were maybe like nearly 10 interns. Wow. Um, so like they didn't have the means, I guess, to add those incentives. Um, and actually, funnily enough, at the first place that I worked where I then went back and worked again as an intern and then as an employee and mm. um, they they had like incentives for staff but the ironic thing was so like the incentive would be every sort of lookbook you would be allowed to maybe order a certain amount like on the company oh so like you'd be given an allowance but of course they only gave that to the people they were paying probably decent money to which actually it should be the other way around Mm -hmm. and you should just give a little bit not enough to buy necessarily a full bag or whatever it was Mm -hmm. but like in hindsight that would have gone a really long way for me Mm -hmm. um rather than like rewarding the people that you already reward in so many other ways and I get it that's also a way of them maybe not being able to give them even more of a salary and X, Y, Z. But yeah, there were very, very few um, incentives. But what they did do at my company was when an intern left, they had to be there a significant time, but you you got given a bag, um, yeah, which was very nice. And I think like, depending on how long you were there and I was their longest term employee, uh, intern Mm. um like I got to basically choose what bag I got and stuff like that and they made a real fast and had a party (laughs) well too bloody right they had like nine months free labor from me yeah 
and like some people would have worked like a month and still got like a free bag yeah um and then I think they sort of stopped that and it had to be like past a certain point and they sort of stopped being so generous as they sort of were going through more interns but yeah that's the thing I think um all too often working those long hours or in your case working for a significant amount of time unpaid mm-hmm. is always touted as like oh you know it means that you'll get to that place in your career that you want to reach and it's that hustle yeah that showing that you can survive on minimum wage or barely anything at all um is gonna get you that experience that you need but we've we've talked about work experience in the past before and like fashion just takes the piss in the sense that yeah it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean that you're going to get to that level just by putting in those hours there isn't a direct correlation no and you know what so much of the time yes I learned a lot but like I'm gonna channel my inner Molly May a little bit I'm gonna attribute that to me like I learned a lot because I listened and it was like an open plan office and they weren't teaching me what was happening in like the merchandising department Mm. I went and asked Mm. like they weren't teaching me certain things a lot of the time I was there to go pick up fabric from a store go pick some zips like I was like a human career service or like I was there to do the the menial tasks yeah like often to go get coffee like I think we've talked before about ridiculous things I've done is just to go get like people's medications like pick up lunch like stupid stuff that mm. you're not teaching me anything by doing that yeah. um you're not teaching me respect for someone or anything you're like I know how to wrap an order for TNT and fill out the slip but like yeah. once you've done that a few times you know you're not teaching me much but I think I learned because of my personality and my interest in like the business of fashion yeah um whereas others may have just done what they had to do Mm. and really not picked up the skills that could have helped them when they actually landed a job and yeah I think there's I think it's different now but I still think the matter of hours is a real problem and actually is that the best I definitely went through phases so sort of fast forward that's also where I got my first like paid job in fashion um and so so let's um, talk about you kind of your more recent roles and what level you were at and how much you were kind of like getting paid or like reimbursed and things like that because I think from an outsider's perspective there are particular roles like buyer and things like that yeah and it's so easy to assume oh you're a buyer at this big brand you you must be getting paid or you're a designer at this and Mm. it's yeah it doesn't work like that yeah um so my I think my first salary I feel like what did they try and offer me they offered me I don't know what minimum wage was at the time but I feel like they tried to offer me like 17 grand okay my first job as like a design assistant yeah and I think I haggled it to be like 20 yeah because I was like I've worked here for years like Mm -hmm. well it felt like I'd worked there and like they wanted me and actually I think I was a paid intern at this point because they like they wanted me to work there um but I was going to be going away I was going to be going traveling Mm. and so it sort of felt weird for them to make me something before that so I was like their paid intern Mm. and so that's I think then I'm that must have been around that um and then when I came back it can't have been loads more and then I don't know if I even got a promotion there. I don't think I did. No, I no. think I was just on like maybe around 20. Yeah. Like a few years. I think I asked for a promotion once. And they sort of said they'd think about it. Um, and at one point there, I was doing ridiculous hours. I was, because of my boss, I think I've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm she used to want to stay late because she didn't turn up till like 11 so then she'd stay till like eight nine o'clock 
And so we'd, and I think oh. we had like a rule of if you stayed past certain times, we'd get dinner there, then like, and we'd, I just, just stay there late every day, kind of almost because of this like ethos she had and mm-hmm. she'd, she was slow. So then we had to stay there till she'd finished her work kind of a thing. Yeah. And I was working crazy hours for really not much money. And like, yeah, it was bad, but at least we sort of got fed and stuff like that. Whereas my more recent role that um, was treacherous. Um, I was then, so then I must've been a design assistant and then I, I changed job and I was a junior designer. I think I was on like 24. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is with like five years experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I was on like 24 grand, but the, and like bearing in mind, I'm commuting from quite fast. So 300 pounds a month went to trains. But the problem was I used to work late quite a lot, but you had to work till 11 o'clock to be able to get food. So like they didn't buy you food at 11, but they got you food at like seven. Mm. And I think you were meant to stay, maybe it was till 10, but you were meant to stay past a certain point to like earn getting you <laughs> to earn your food. Because <laughs> um, obviously all this overtime, by the way, is never, I never got paid overtime, never got it back in lieu. Mm-hmm. um and so yeah um the problem was because they then wouldn't get dinner and I'd like I didn't want to be staying till late if I could help it mm-hmm. so I'd be trying to leave maybe about eight o'clock or nine o'clock and then get food at like Waterloo yeah and it started costing me like a small yeah, fortune you're, yeah that's expensive as and well. then you don't have the time or the energy to make yourself lunch for the next day like it's all those small things mm-hmm, that you like that they don't even realize like the that you don't get afforded that yeah. and like at one point like I would eat all my three meals mm-hmm. at work and um, I would just start packing them all because I didn't want to keep buying stuff it's obviously not like the healthiest mm-hmm. so I used to pack my breakfast lunch and dinner with me for the day yeah yeah that's reminded me when I was working on the shop floor still and I was commuting into uh central London because that's where I was working and our early shift started where you needed to be in at about hmm, um I think it was like half seven Mm. or something like that because you had to be there before the department store opened and then you would finish at four finishing early was nice but obviously like me commuting from Berkshire into central London yeah um meant that I had to wake up really early I all I could do was like make a coffee in my flask sort of thing and like drink it on the train and then you're like buying some semblance of breakfast in the department store in the cafeteria or something each day but you're just buying something that's cheap and that's easy and then you can like smuggle to the shop floor can't you so you're not really eating anything substantial substantial and then you're so you've barely eaten anything you're on your feet for like the next four hours running up here and there throughout the store or to like your your patch or back to the stock room yeah you go for lunch in the cafeteria and again it's not like you have a lot of money so you're just buying like basic mm-hmm. like give me an extra large portion of chips and like mayo and you're just like scoffing it during your lunch and then I remember you go back to shop floor for the rest of your shift and then I always used to buy uh a McDonald's McFlurry on the way home because it was like my treat you know what mm-hmm. I mean it was like a pound you survived like, the day <laughs> and I'm gonna eat that ice cream and it just it got ridiculous I was eating these things a lot I have to admit but when you factor in that by the time I got home so you probably spent at least 10 pounds a day on food well that's the thing I don't think I spent a lot of money on food it was I mean 10 pounds isn't loads but yeah but it adds up I think I was I was spending less than that but it was more the fact that I wasn't eating a lot yeah factor in the time between my meals and I wasn't eating that great so I would eat my dinner once I got home and mm-hmm. say I'm like I'm at home at six o'clock and I've had like a really small breakfast at like seven o'clock that morning I've had a, a size you know I've had chips for lunch a McFlurry and that's all I've pretty much eaten mm. until like 
six, seven o'clock at night. I remember just like you, because as you said, your eating pattern and you're like overall, you're on your feet all the time. You're not eating pretty well. Your diet is atrocious. Yeah. Either like losing weight. That's the glamour. At least you're skinny. Um, (laughs) But no, like I remember. Have a diet Coke and just get on with it. (laughs) But no, I remember thinking that like during that period of time, like having a really poor rotor and you're right that that cycle that you're on adds to the workload and yeah. the like pressure on you physically because bearing in mind sometimes I used to do late shifts and get home at half 11 and then the next time next day I'd be on the early shift yeah so I'm like waking up at six leaving at half six to get there for you know and then doing that again and it's, yeah. I think that's a big thing to talk about with working hours when you work late. Um, and even that, like, no one should have let you have that shift work, right? Like, realistically. And, like, I know that kind of they're not responsible for it all. Mm. But well-being has to be a factor. And I think yeah. these days it's obviously becoming more and more of a factor in people's lives and jobs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there would be times, especially like, God, there'd be times at um, my first job where I'd be, I'd get home at like two in the morning, but be expected back in the office for the regular time. I lived far away. As I said, like I worked central. I I lived far away. I was at least like an hour and a half commute. Mm. So I was still then waking up at the normal time. And trudging back in, not knowing how long my day was going to be, equally could have been another late night. Yeah. And, you know, like that's, it's not like conducive to anything. No. And then like more recently, I would be doing just 12 hour days at least just like solidly for about a month, maybe just literally wouldn't see anybody, wouldn't do anything if I didn't have to work at the weekend again, which was not paid or granted anything in lieu or no treats. Um, like I just kind of was a shell of a human mm-hmm. because you just have to like find that energy to go, yeah. go, go. Um, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, like it's kind of crazy. Um but you know what? I know there's other industries where like people work late and I think with working from home now, it's hard to create those boundaries, but also somewhat easier. You can shut your laptop, you know, you can close your computer. Yeah. Um, you can't hide from your manager when you're in the office. And also if like, I definitely, I once had this thing where I was going to a concert and I literally got, like got up to leave and she was like, but we have to do this. And I was kind of like, well, you can do that. Like in my head thinking like, it's seven o'clock, mm-hmm. I'm going, yeah. you're still here, mm-hmm. you can do that. You get paid a lot more than me, at least double, maybe even triple my salary. Yeah, You can do that. Yeah. Um, and also like as a one-off, I've got somewhere to be, surely you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I didn't know that at the time either. So like I wasn't able to manage my time accordingly. Um, and yeah, like just, it's really hard. Like I'm not a naturally bolshy person to then go like, no, sorry, I've got plans. I've got to go. Yeah. But then I mean, you're like, you develop, right, that, you okay. develop that attitude as time goes on with yeah. age and whatnot. Um, and with experience and with exactly. knowledge, like, I'm way more like that now. Um, I very much will send an email like, I'll do that in the morning, mm-hmm. like without like all of that stuff. But I, I also currently work somewhere where the urgency is not like it has been in other places. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the key is to not have a manager who buys into the bullshit of the industry. A hundred percent. I think that that's a big deal. Yeah. I, I had a manager like that who, you know, 
we all like in our little team we appreciated like oh it's this thing was just like it's just handbags you know fuck it (laughs) it's not the end of the world sort of thing but Mm. and even if you're not getting paid that much at least you can be like I don't need to put in this ridiculous amount of for lack of a better word like ridiculous amount of energy into Mm. something that's not even gonna it's not saving the world and not everything has to save the world but when all you're doing is making a wealthy lady happy you can you can go to that dinner or you can get that early night's sleep or get home at a normal time for no goddamn reason yeah 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 (laughs) so I have some some stats some average stats um now Granted, this is taken off a website that's like aimed at those coming out of uni or thinking about what career they want to go Whoa, into. Don't do it. <laughs> and I just came across. I'm just kidding. I just do whatever fulfills you. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> be smart. Um, so, be so smart. starting salaries in the fashion industry are often low. Design assistants may start at around sixteen to eighteen k. Yeah. Yeah, a junior designer can expect to earn approximately 25k a year. And I know that from experience, like uh assistant buyers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna say I'm pretty sure that buyers and designers is kind of part and parcel. Like I know that a buyer sounds super glamorous. Yeah, but it's not. It's it's kind of no different from my experience. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Um then Typical salaries at senior designer and creative director level range from 42 to an excess of 85k. And where, um, where do these jumps happen? You know, like this has always been my biggest problem with fashion. How do you just suddenly like double someone's salary like that? Yeah. Or triple it. Like that's that is madness that you just suddenly go from like really not earning that great. Just something like, oh, we now think you're worthy. Yeah. And so we're going to give you like a slightly competitive salary. And what really, what I just find fascinating is that, you know, when you're in finance, people who work in finance, mm-hmm. typically they get paid quite well for yeah. what they're doing. And it's the idea of you are managing people's wealth and other people's money. I'm not talking about like high street bank. I'm talking about like finance. Yeah. Yeah. And so you I might be wrong people can correct me but at least like you can enjoy a reasonably comfortable lifestyle when you're in that circle Mm. dealing with those sorts of clientele in fashion in my experience and both of us for the majority of our career we worked in luxury fashion um those who serve you in the shops, those who design for you, those who are in the head offices, those who come up with these ideas and who make the brand a luxurious brand cannot afford the afford lifestyle it. in any way, shape. <laughs> or, the, or the products that they're creating or like yeah, exactly. helping. Can't afford yeah. The products that they sell. And yeah. like, it doesn't matter if you are a buyer in a top brand you're not you're not making that kind no. of like that much money um it's that's what I don't understand like the jumps between each level granted but also the jump between like the disparity between yeah those who are doing and those who buy it's it's wild it's yeah, yeah it's it's so true and um, that like there's a real and I remember like realizing that like so I work on this stuff day in day out yeah I will never be able to afford it yeah is like beyond me because like even though the designers maybe were doing well yeah they still weren't affording that stuff or like you know because you still got like you know bills to pay and like life gets more expensive or you've then maybe got kids or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um that you can never really afford it until maybe you become like some premium person but the amount of people who become that are far between yeah 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 exactly and also like if it hasn't beaten your soul to death by that point like (laughs) you deserve it like hats off to you yeah um but even like when it comes down to 
like the intrinsic problem in fashion and working hours and pay they're so linked because uh-huh. you're not paid that well so like you saying that you had when you were maybe on like the shop floor and it's contracted if someone offered you overtime you take it mm. because you want more money yeah and it's like this vicious cycle of like but if you were earning enough money in the first place then you wouldn't be working yourself to the bone or ragged to get more money mm-hmm. and that's the problem that they have in a lot of garment factories yeah and all of that stuff and it's just it's it's throughout the whole industry yeah it's just this like problem and so- i think especially in luxury fashion like you said mm-hmm. like it's different for high street because there's there's like the margins aren't big no but the quantities are high like and you're dealing with products like if you're a buyer for Topshop I I hope to the high heavens you can afford a top from Topshop Mm. you know like you can and if you're a buyer for Gucci unless you've got like a sugar daddy nah yeah you're not and maybe you buy one thing a year from there two things a year but like you can't willy-nilly buy stuff from there yeah but you're surrounded by it and it creates this sort of like not even imposter syndrome but this kind of fantasy but it it creates like an us and them or like it creates a problem of like like a disparity I don't know yeah no I, I get what you're talking about it it also reminds me of something that um I experienced whilst working it wasn't a high street brand as such but it was like a premium you know, mm. premium high street. And I'm sure this happens with other brands that are probably more expensive as well. But you know, uniform oh. and how they would make you like, oh yeah, you get a uniform allowance, which is other words, you need to pay for your uniform mm. because we want you to be in this season's best yeah. stuff or this season's new stuff. Yeah, it's a heavy discount. It's like 75% off. But then when you factor in, like, you're not getting paid that much, mm. even paying 25% of, like, in my experience, um, when I was working for a particular brand, like, a top was easily £150, mm. easily, full price. And then, okay, so it might be £75 uh, percent off, but then I've got to buy trousers and a pair of shoes. Maybe like you still second. will be paying more for that outfit than maybe you would have chosen to. Exactly. Uh, you know, you got to get a couple. And you can't just wear. have one outfit. Exactly. So you're like, no one does that much washing. I need to buy the cheapest stuff here because I'm. I need to be in uniform. Most of the time, you're just like, you're not. I didn't really buy as much as they would have wanted me to because I was like, babe, you want me to starve. That's what you want me to do. You want me to starve so that I can be in head to toe, whatever you're, whatever you're flogging this season. Um, that is not factored in. No. Like you can't afford to be buying into the, into the brand itself and yeah. you're getting compensated at the very least uniform should be free across the board completely zero percent you know yeah Um, but you were talking about garment workers and we've spoken a lot about garment workers in other episodes um but I wanted to talk about some statistics I found that relates to garment workers in the UK Mm -hmm. um these are old figures but they are in our working lives our working lifetime so it's still really relevant and it's still demonstrates I think what goes on in in fashion in the UK as well so Leicester Uni University of Leicester they did a study of um, about 11,000 workers in the UK and they were all like factory garment workers and this was in the East Midlands and they found that these workers amongst 11,000 of them about 75 to 90% of them were getting paid less than £3 an hour. So when you take the hours they were working and how much they were getting paid for that day... And they didn't get paid for their overtime. It must have been, like, they're con- as you were saying, you contracted for eight, nine hours, but you're working 11, and then you divide your day's pay 
by the actual number of hours you're doing and it's going to come out to something like that so they were being paid less than minimum wage even for this was in 2010 so this is fashion like to a t right so you've said that your first sort of retail job they tactically made sure that you weren't a certain like level of hours to Mm. not give you certain rewards then Mm. I guess the other the other side of it is we're going to make you a salaried employee because we know we're going to be asking you to do a lot more hours and so we don't want to be paying an hourly rate an hourly rate yeah yeah 100% oh my god so um like I feel like the whole industry needs to be investigated it's rampant and it's made in a way that it's not illegal yeah. you know what I mean it's like you signed up for it but also so many people know it and I'm just yes, like this so. is the problem with the industry right is that everyone and I guess it's probably like the same maybe like film and tv or whatever and maybe the music industry but just everyone's like yeah that's just kind of how it is and you're like no yeah 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 so a uh, secondary part to that is um Arcadia around the time mm. of this reporting Arcadia went to <laughs> yeah to UK sweatshops because that's essentially what these were mm. um and then again in 2017 dispatches so you know the investigative um series for channel 4 they revealed that um yet again people were being paid in 2017 guys so this is not long ago between three pounds and three pound fifty an hour as well um we knew that this was happening with jesus um, that's 10 years on yeah um like boohoo and arcadia and all these like other let me actually let me bring up the actual list Um, so it was river island new look boohoo misguided and they used factories that were paying their workers between three pound and three pound fifty an hour in the uk guys um and yeah that is just indicative of the industry makes you feel sick like really does just mm. the idea of like, and let's be honest, are they British workers? Probably not. And a like, lot of them were like Bangladeshi, like Southeast Asian. I think that was in the Midlands, there's large Asian communities as well. But, you know. But like, it's like the kind of thing of like, mm. okay, just because they might be from some, somewhere else doesn't mean that like. <laughs> we still can, have work do here. You we, still have yeah, to. Yeah, they've come to the UK for our work laws they might like you know yeah and whichever generation family they are they're probably not even like first generation some of them Mm. like it's just unacceptable like the laws in this country are away and like oh it just it it burns it burns my insides yeah so um yeah that was our experience of um working in fashion and the the number of hours and just the pay in general but I want to know kind of everyone else's experience Mm. um like did you did you just work your hours mm -hmm. is that a thing (laughs) and if so what what um department were you in so we all know yeah what's the best department (laughs) Um, but if you didn't just work your hours, like on average, how much overtime do you think you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know also, or have a like a discussion to some extent about. Do you think this will ever improve? Um, and what's the best avenues in fashion to go down when it comes to? I mean, really and truly, off the top of my head, I think the best thing is to be an influencer. I mean. W- People can slate influencers all they want and say they they're have so much money. But there's a lot of them who are making a lot more than what we've described to have been paid in the past. Yeah. For the amount of work we were doing. Mm. Yeah. What's our poll for this week? Um, well, I guess about the working hours and then. Oh. Hmm. 
you know what? Pay increases, annual pay increases each year. Not a thing in my world. Because I don't (laughs) think those were. I used to work for one particular really corporate fashion company. They were American. And so we did have annual pay increases, but I don't think that's particularly common. No. Um, Not that I'm aware of. (laughs) Can't relate. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) I, yeah, I'd want to know about people getting their annual pay increases and what that looked like. And as they, as they had promotions as well, did your salaries go up significantly in line with what you thought? Yeah. That job title was worth or valued as. Yeah. This industry, man. <laughs> it's the Wild West. It is. Uh, anyway. What's that, um, Olivia Rodrigo? It's is it Ruth, it's Ruthless out here. Something else, I don't know. <laughs> it's for the kids. <laughs> that, that was a really anticlimactic. <laughs> um anyway. Have you got anything else you want to add? No, I'm done now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Refrain from embarrassing yourself. Okay, well, thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of Style Over Substance. We'd like to hear your opinions and your own experiences of working in the industry. And also, are you still in the industry? Are you still working? Are you surviving? Skiving. No, are you surviving in this industry? You know, oh still yeah, if you're still in it. in it, are you surviving? Um, especially after the the two years that we've had, yeah, lots of stores have been closed. What has salaries look like now as well? Um, yeah, well, thanks for listening, guys. We're going to have a poll on all our social media, um, and yeah, and if you if you ever have any stories, like you know, please share them, and we we would happily read them aloud. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Oh, thanks. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.